Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ and I'm here with our evangelist Jeremy Bard. And we are going to be in Romans chapter 15 this morning. We've been studying through the book of Romans over the past couple of months, and we've just got two chapters to go. And so we're gonna we're gonna hit Romans 15 this morning. And really, as you look at the way Paul concludes the letter, Romans 16 is primarily, not exclusively, but primarily some of his farewells and say hello to this person and so forth and so on. And so Romans 15, in a lot of ways, kind of ties together the bulk of what Paul has been talking about in the majority of of his writings here. So Jeremy, as we get into this chapter this morning, Romans 14, as we talked about last week, is a chapter that there's been a lot of debate on over the years. But I think in a lot of ways, as we talked about it last week, it's really a chapter that should bring us together in a lot of ways. It should point out the fact that we need to be able to let certain things go in order to be unified together as the Lord's church. And I think he picks up in that same vein here at the beginning of chapter 15. So as we get into this, where do you see Paul taking us here as he begins to wind things down? I think in a a lot of ways. I mean, Romans chapter 15, especially the first half of Romans chapter 15, is still going to tie into where he's Mm -hmm. been. I think the second half really begins to transition to the very close of the book when he's got some, you know, kind of some personal things uh, specifically about his travel plan He's looking to, he wants to be there with them. And so he kind of closes the chapter with those kinds of thoughts. You've made mention already, Romans chapter 16 is his, his hellos, his uh, how you doings, his these people are here, these people mm-hmm. are coming. And it's a lot of people uh, that's made mention of. And we'll talk about that next week. But when we get to Romans chapter 15, in a lot of ways, it really closes out the body of the book of Romans. And it really, in a lot of ways, it does a couple of things. And I know we'll get into it, but it, it certainly closes the thought pattern where he's been in chapters 14. And we could almost extend that out to 12, 13, and 14 mm-hmm. when he's dealing with these relationship kind of issues. And so it certainly closes up that. But I think also in a lot of ways, the first half of Romans chapter 15 really brings the entirety of the book of Romans together because the whole book of Romans is a very unifying Mm -hmm. kind of idea. You know, it's the idea that, listen, all of us are in the same kind of trouble. All of us uh, are able to enjoy what Christ has done. All of us are in those same kinds of needs. All of us can enjoy the blessings that come from Christ. And Romans chapter 15 really brings that to the forefront again, that everybody is together when it comes to Christ. And so it's kind of a unique kind of chapter because it closes out, I think, in a lot of ways, those two things. Mm -hmm. Very short-term, chapter 14, but also, I think, big picture, the entirety of the book of Romans. Yeah, I think three or four times, just in this first half of chapter 15, he mentions the idea of hope. And I think a lot of that is centered around what you just mentioned. There is hope for all that is found in Christ. And and in a lot of ways, I mean, that's, that's what this is all about. It's all about finding hope in the unity that we have in Christ and the promises that he has made to us. And, and as Christians, whether Jew or Gentile, you can have the same hope in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that, that really, I think, is what Paul has been getting at this whole time 
is that, and he even mentions here that you can even look back into the old law, and even the, the writings of the old law should give you hope, Jew or Gentile. He's going to call that out specifically as he goes throughout some quotations from the Old Testament. He wants them to recognize that regardless of what your bloodline says, you can find hope in Christ. And you can be unified in that. And that, that's a beautiful way to conclude this book, I think, because he's talked about some of the challenges that they face, Jews and Gentiles and the cultural differences and those types of things that, that are, are, are a challenge to the, the church there in a lot of ways. But he concludes it by taking them back to the idea that at the end of the day, in Christ, you can find hope. And you can all have the same hope. You can all have the same faith. You can all have the same joy. And that's all found in Christ. And that's what he wants to leave them with. Right. And I think that's a beautiful way to conclude a writing like that because it really, even, even for us today, I think when, when we read something like this, it just leaves you with this sense of peace and comfort knowing what you can have in Christ. And I think for all of us, it should leave us with this just overwhelming sense of joy that we can find this hope and this peace in our Savior. Yeah, and he, I think he reminds, I mean, we're, you know, the idea is that Jews and Gentiles are both in that together. They can both enjoy that. You know, he spent the entirety of this book, you know, he'll, he, he's talked to the Jews specifically about some things. He's talked to the Gentiles specifically about some things. And now he, he's back to talking to, to both of them. Mm-hmm. And even though he says some specific things about the Jews and about the Gentiles, I mean, quotes from Isaiah, that's not going to have a, a heavy impact on the Gentile brethren, mm-hmm. not like not to the point that it would with the Jewish brethren, but he still makes the point that even from all the way back, the Gentiles being a part of God's plan was in play. Mm-hmm. And, and he makes that point again, going all the way back to the promise made to the fathers. And that is to remind him that all, all of this, where they are, is where God wanted them to be and yeah. wanted them to be from the very beginning to enjoy all of these things together. And I think you're exactly right. Hope is at the forefront of this chapter. And it is the hope that they have together in Christ. And when you can get, I mean, when you put that in your mind, it is that unifying thing. It is that bonding idea. And that's when love can can play a, a mm-hmm. can play a role. And that's in a lot of ways what Romans 14 and 15 is about. Mm-hmm. It is just to have that, you know, that kind of love, you know, for the brethren. When you run across chapter 14, and we, you know, we talked about that last week, you know, in a lot of ways, maybe you come, a, come away with, you know, I've got to put up with the weaker brother. I've yeah. just got to put up with them. But when you, you get in here to chapter 15, mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost straightened out. It's not about just putting up with them. I mean, verses one and two kind of gives the idea that, no, you're you're there to help them. You're there to do for them. And that may not all the time be what we would classify as worldly fun. Maybe it's not going to be that. And he Mm -hmm. he makes the point that it may not be about pleasing yourself, and it's not that. It's about helping. It's not about putting up with. It's about doing things for because we love them. And that's when the edification part comes into play right here at the very beginning of the chapter. Yeah, and that that, that edification, I think you you mentioned the fact that when Paul begins to quote from Psalms and from Isaiah and from, you know, these types of things may not have a significant impact on on the Gentiles like it would the Jews. But what it will help is as he's quoting from those, what he's calling out is what you just mentioned, that the Gentiles have been a part of this plan all along. And so while that specific individual that wrote those things may not mean much to the Gentile, the fact that they can look back into that time period and recognize that they were always a part of God's plan 
And, and the, the Jews can do the same thing. They can look back and recognize that the Gentiles were always a part of this plan. That, again, is going to unify them. And so when Paul talks there early on about Sometimes you're going to have to please your neighbor for his good, leading to edification. And then you look at how Paul's talking about and referencing the old law. I think that's exactly what he's doing here. He's teaching. He's helping show them, hey, you guys have always been a part of God's plan. Look back into his inspired writings, and you'll see that. And when they see that, that that helps them as they grow in their understanding and their knowledge of God's plan. I think that's true. I've experienced that same thing myself. Looking back into the Old Testament, while I can't exactly relate to the Jews and all of their customs and the way that they lived their lives, I do learn about God's character, and I learn about God's nature, and I learn about who He is, and that is faith-building for me, and that helps me better understand the new law and the, the law that I'm living under today. And so really what we're seeing here is the exact same thing that we all experience that the Jews and the Gentiles were going through in the first century. They were looking back and learning more about who God is and the plan that He's had for mankind, and it's building their faith today and going forward. And so the same is, is true for us. I think that it this is a, a snapshot in a lot of ways for me, reinforcing how important the Old Testament should be in our studies as Christians today, because it can lead to our edification and it can lead to our faith building. And that's always been an important part of the process for a Christian. Yeah, and, and it is certainly a, an important process for them here, and, and even for all of us. And I think it is a big part of understanding who God is and what He's all about. Because I mean, even you know the the focus on Jesus and mm-hmm. certainly glory glorifying God plays a part in this chapter. I mean, certainly right here at the beginning, when you get a little deeper into the chapter, as Paul is talking a little bit more personally, he'll use himself as an illustration mm-hmm. that, you know, everything that he's doing is is because he feels that that's what God has, has called him to do, and, and he's doing so for his glory. I mean, even at the very beginning of this chapter, we've talked about, you know, you know there in verse 2, that, you know, let each of us please his neighbor for his, for his good leading to edification. And then verse 3, we do that because that's what Christ has done. Yeah. And so now you have this focus, you know, certainly on Christ. He has, he says it again in verse six, that the point is that we are with one mind and one mouth, that we're glorifying God, uh, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see all of these things that the key becomes, listen, your focus is on Christ because Mm of, uh, you you do the things that you do because Christ and who he is and what he's all about. And he's talked a lot about that in the book of Romans. And I think it is interesting that here at the very conclusion of really the body of the letter itself, he he comes back to that, is that everybody does these things because of God. Mm -hmm. Everybody Mm -hmm. lives this way because that's the way that God lived while he was here uh, in the flesh. He showcased all of these things, and we're simply following his example. Mm -hmm. And Paul understands, and obviously being led by the Holy Spirit, he, he understands that the unity that he's been talking about is only going to be found when your focus is on Christ. And that means having to put aside some of the traditions and the customs both on the side of the Jews and the Gentiles, you're going to have to put some of those things away and focus solely on Christ. And if both sides do that, then they're both going to be looking and going in the same direction. And they're both going to be focused on doing the same things. And they're going to be able, as he says here, to to speak with one mind and one mouth and glory and glorifying God. And again, if we if we look at that as an example for us, 
you know, if, if we're able to do the same thing when it comes to cultural differences or traditional differences, if we all make a promise to ourselves and to each other that our focus is going to be on Christ, our focus is going to be on Jesus and his teachings and the direction that he wants us to go, that's where we're going to find unity. And that's the only place we're going to find unity. Yeah. Because as long as we're still being pulled back to, to our differences, that's always going to be a stumbling block to us. But when we turn our focus exclusively to Christ, that's where we can find unity today. I mean, it is the strongest bond that we have as Christians. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's Jesus. It, it's not the things, you know, culturally don't bond us together. Economically, they, those things don't bind us together. Our jobs, mm-hmm. those, I mean, those mm-hmm. things are different all the yeah. time. But it is Jesus that bonds us together. Um, you know, in verse, in chapter, First uh, John chapter 1 and verse 6, when it says that, you know, if we say that we have fellowship with him, uh, you know, we walk in darkness, we lie, we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us uh, from all sin. And so, you know, the point is made that, listen, Jesus has done something incredible for me. Jesus has done something incredible for you. Mm-hmm. And that bonds us together. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I often make the point that when, when someone would, if you were just to ask me, what is the most significant thing that has ever happened to me in my life? I mean, the most significant thing. It is Jesus dying for me. That's the most significant thing that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask you, what is the most significant thing that's ever happened to you? You're, you're going to say the exact same. Yeah. Now, listen, we're not the same age. Mm-hmm. We're, didn't, we weren't born in the same place. We didn't go to school together. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of differences that we have, but here, the most significant thing in my life is the exact same thing for you. Yep. And that is the one thing that bo- that binds us together. And that's what he's reminding them here, that the Jews drastically come from a different place than the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. But for them, the most significant thing in their lives, which is Jesus, is the exact same thing. And certainly they can be bound together in that. We can see that throughout Paul's writings and even, even here in Romans. I, most of the people that he's writing to he's never met before but yet you can just feel and hear the love and the care and the concern and the compassion that he has for these people that he's never met before but 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 that is all uh, that's all real and that's deep within paul because of what you just described because he knows that they're sharing in the joy of Christ together. Right. And that, that brings them together and that unifies them. And so you, you can read through this, and it's almost at times like he's writing to his best of friends, when re- in reality, most of the people that he's writing to, he's probably never met before. And I, but that's, again, just the, the picture of what Christ can do for people when, when people recognize what you just described about Christ and his sacrifice being what binds us together then that love and that compassion is going to come out for each other because we share in that together. And there's an understanding there that we are working towards the same goal. And there's an understanding that uh, hopefully we can spend eternity together. And and so whether or not we have a lot in common, whether or not we've even met each other, The understanding that we share in this bind, in this bound, with, in this bond with Christ, that is just such a, a, a an inspiring message for for Christians to look to and to hope for, and it's just going to draw us closer and closer together with each other, regardless of how close we may or may not be 
outside of our relationship with Christ. I mean, it's really an incredible point. You know, we, we'll get to it probably here in just a few minutes when he'll make the point at the very end of this chapter that, listen, he, he, he wants to come and meet them. Yeah. He, wants, yeah. he wants to spend some time with them. He wants to be there in Rome. I mean, we can study through the book of Acts and through history. It will tell us that he does get there, not in necessarily the way that he was hoping to get yeah. there. He gets there in chains and not exactly just with the, the freedom to roam around. But yet he writes in this way to people, like you said, that he's never met. I mean, the book of Colossians is another mm-hmm. you know similar thing where he'll make the point there in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1. Listen, I, I, he's never been there. He's yeah. never met these folks. He's never talked to them face to face. Certainly different than, you know, in other places that, you know, we spend significant time in Ephesus or in Corinth where he would know and the Antioch where he would certainly know a lot of the brethren there. Mm-hmm. But here... It is simply his love for Christ, their love for Christ, and the incredible bond that that puts for him to them and certainly for all of them in Rome together. And he is, as he closes this, reminding them of that bond and how strong it is. And to not just be hampered by all of those ancillary things that we we just get caught up in. We talked yeah. about last week in Romans 14, you know, that we just get wrapped up some, sometimes in things that just don't matter. We get more wrapped up in things that don't matter sometimes in getting wrapped up in things that do. Mm-hmm. And he's reminding them certainly not to get wrapped up in those kinds of things. That's what he says down there in verse number 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more bold- boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He, he even calls attention to that very fact. Right. Like, hey, I, I recognize some of the things I talked about, I spoke pretty plainly in this letter. But I did so because of what Jesus has done for me, and I've done so because of what I want to do for you now. Right. And that, that really, again, is, is just a great example of, of how we should be with each other. If we truly have that unity in Christ, then we're going to look for opportunities to, when necessary, speak boldly to each other, to always speak to, in love to one another, uh, to remind each other when needed about the things that Jesus has done for us. We're going to look for those opportunities because of the unity that we have in Christ and because of the compassion and the love that we have for one another. And that, that I think, is what Paul is, is getting at here because he recognizes, hey, some of this may come across a little strong. Like, <laughs> I, I understand that. Right. But but make sure you understand why I'm doing this. Make sure you don't lose sight of the fact as to why I'm writing boldly to you. There's purpose behind this, and, and it's based in love, it's based in compassion, and it's all because of what Jesus has done for us. And that, that I think, is a great example for us sometimes when necessary to do the very same thing for each other. There's going to be times where we need to speak plainly to each other. Right. And we're doing so not because uh, we're mad at each other or anything like that. We're actually doing it out of love, and we're doing it because we're unified in Christ, and we have the opportunity to help each other through difficult situations and remind each other of certain things. That's just a great lesson for us today, I think. Yeah, and certainly not to lose sight of where he's already been in chapter 15 and verse 2, that, listen, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. I mean, that is an idea and a thought that fits into every circumstance, not just some or every once in a while. It's got to fit into every circumstance in every conversation, even in the conversations like Paul has had with them at times 
comes here, even in this book, that is pretty straight. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about those things. I mean, going back to some things that he had to say to the to the Jewish brethren may come across as, as pretty straight. He calls it bold mm-hmm. here, but he does so because he loves them. He does mm-hmm. so because it builds them up. I mean, that's what edification is all about. And he does so because... He knows that's what God wants him to do, and that's the point that he made in 15 and 16 that you just read. You know, in a lot of ways, what I love about this passage as he kind of closes it down, really in verses 17 and 18, especially for me as a preacher, and really if it's really for everybody, that you see the Apostle Paul and all of these incredible things that he has said, all of the incredible things that he has done, he is all the time in an understanding that it's not about him in any way. It's always about Christ. It is about him in every single way. And so you have verse 17, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. And verse 18 is what I like. For I will dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed. Mm-hmm. And so he says, listen, it's not me to get the pat on the back right. or the credit on anything or in any area. It is always Christ. It is always for his glory. And certainly that's important for Paul to remember, and it is vital for each and every one of us to consider and and to remember. Yeah, and it goes back to really the whole idea of of unity and hope in this passage. If we step outside of that, there's not hope and unity to be found in that. Only the hope and the unity that we're talking about is only found when you stay within the confines of what Christ has done for us and what he has taught and what he has given to us. And that you're right. It's just it's such a um, a credit to Paul for not only recognizing that, but then also in essence reminding the brethren there in Rome that hey, you should do the same thing. Yeah. You know, look, look to Paul as an example here, as as one who is doing that. And so, if you want to strive and achieve the unity and the hope and the faith and the peace that we've talked about then you're going to have to do it by staying within the confines of Christ. That's where that's found. And Paul was a great example of one not willing to step outside of that. He was not going to do that because he recognized that everything that he has and everything that he's hoping for is only found in Christ. And that's the same with us today. I mean, everything, every day of our lives, we live with the hope of the promises being fulfilled that Christ has made to us. If we step outside of that, there's nothing. And you see that throughout the world, really, when you see people searching day in and day out to find peace somewhere, to find hope somewhere. And the truth of the matter is, it's only going to be found in Christ. And that's what Paul has recognized, and he sees that as his calling, that he is going to every chance he gets. That's what he says, just the verses following. Every chance he gets where Christ hasn't been preached, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach him because I recognize that this is the only place for mankind to find hope and peace is in Christ. And so he's going to do everything he can for as long as God gives him to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, you see that just in the life that he lives. I mean, we're, you know, as he gets, you know, towards the end of this chapter and he'll make the point that, listen, I, I've got great desire to be there with you. And he says, listen, I've got a trip planned to Spain, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to run by there basically <laughs> on my, you know, on my way. And, and we know it's sort of towards the back end of the book of Acts. He ultimately gets to Rome, but not in the way that he describes here. He gets there as a prisoner, basically. But through that whole process, even at the end of the book of Acts, and what I 
read right here, especially in verse 20, that I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, it, that he's taking advantage of every opportunity. I mean, it's interesting to me towards the back end of the book of Acts when he's, he's in front of all of these government officials, mm-hmm. one after the other after the other. It's whether they don't know exactly what to do with them yeah. or they're just passing them up the chain of command. But you study through the back end of the book of Acts, and it doesn't matter who he's standing in front of. His mindset is, you don't know anything about Christ? Well, I know I'm supposed to be giving a defense of myself here, but what really is most important is you don't know who Christ is. And so you see him constantly focused on that. He takes himself completely out of the equation, and he focuses fully on Christ. And if we all can do that, it certainly is going to make a difference on us sharing Christ with others, but it's also going to have a huge impact on the way we interact with one another. I'm not concerned with myself. I'm only concerned with Christ. And now that's going to have an impact each and every time how I'm going to interact with the brethren. I was just looking back real quickly towards the end of Acts when Paul's uh, in Jerusalem and he's somewhat making his defense, if you want to call it that, as you just pointed out. But there's even an indication there at the end of chapter 26 that, that Paul may have actually been set free had he not laid his claim as a Roman citizen to make right. his appeal to Caesar. But you even look at that and you think... Ultimately, he got what he wanted. He didn't necessarily care about being set free, but by by appealing to Caesar, he was taken to Rome, and he was given the opportunity to teach the gospel in Rome, and he was given the opportunity to write letters from Rome to some of the the the, the churches that we read about in, in Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. And so, he, he's given these opportunities by by appealing to Caesar that that lead him down this very path that he's describing here in chapter fifteen of. Romans, that he's going to take advantage of every opportunity that he has to teach Christ wherever that takes him. And he had done a lot of that in and around Jerusalem, and the gospel had been preached in and around Jerusalem. And so he took the opportunity to to go elsewhere and do that. If that meant him being a prisoner, so be it. He was okay with that because he recognized it as an opportunity to continue to spread the gospel. I mean, that's a powerful testament to someone who has truly dedicated their lives to the spreading of God's word. Yeah, and I mean, even, you know, for, you know, the back end from really verses 22 through 33 of chapter 15, when he's kind of, it, it, I think the book is kind of closed down and he's, he's getting into kind of some personal things that will certainly roll over into chapter 16. But he's making that point. And, you know, we've talked about this already, but I, I do find it fascinating that, He's talking to them like they're best of friends, Mm -hmm. and he's like, I I can't wait to get back to spend more time with you. But, I mean, he writes it that way, but he hasn't spent any time with them. I mean, he doesn't know these people at all, but, I mean, the whole back half of chapter 15 and 16 just oozes with the love and the care and the compassion that he has for these people because of the what they share in Christ. And it is almost a level of desperation Mm. to spend time with them, to be with them, to be able to talk with them, you know, face to face. Yeah. Is he ultimately going to get to Rome? He does. A little bit different than the way he kind of outlines it here. As we've made mention, he kind of makes, you know, makes the point that, listen, I've got plans to be in Spain and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of catch you along the, you know, along that trip. But it it just comes across as we are the closest Mm -hmm. of people. But I think that's the point that we see in the New Testament. 
it, we are the closest of people, even here in this world. We are the closest of people simply because of Christ and what he's done for us. Yeah, there, right at the end of the chapter, he says, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Holy Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. He's asking these people to pray for him. And, and you know, he, again, he's talking to them as if they're close friends. I mean, you know, I've, I've asked people who are very close to me to pray for me in certain situations and at certain times for, for different reasons. But the thought of, of making such a, a request like that of people across the country that I've never met before, right. I, I haven't done that necessarily. But, but Paul here is doing that very thing he's he's requesting prayers on his behalf from people that he doesn't know from people that he doesn't he's never met before but again it shows like his his love and compassion and the sense of unity that he feels with these people is not superficial right this is real to him he he is bound together with these people on a level that is difficult to understand for someone who isn't a christian he recognizes that and so he's very comfortable appealing to them to pray for him on his behalf. And I'm sure he's going to do the same for them. And that, that really, I think, is a, a, a demonstration of just how true and honest these feelings are for these people. Yeah, and it really pulls the entirety of the book of Romans together because, you know, we've made mention several times he, he's written all of these things to Christians. Mm -hmm. And he, he's reminding them about where they are. Mm. And, and even though, and I think you're right, that this kind of bond and unity to the world may seem odd, but to these brethren here, it needs not to be odd. Right. It needs to be the way that it is. Yep. And all they have to do is turn their focus away from self mm -hmm. and away from their culture as Jews or Gentiles and focus it on Christ. And all of the things that he's talked about will start to come together. Yeah, our time is about up, so we'll go ahead and stop there, and we will finish up the book of Romans next week. So hopefully you can join us for that. We want to thank everyone for taking some time out of their day to study through chapter 15 with us. Hopefully uh, we've given you some things to think about maybe, and uh, you can continue studying this on your own. We want to invite you before we stop to come and worship with us if you ever have an opportunity to do so. We meet at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes for all ages on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m., and again at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. So please come and join us uh, if you can. We also live stream our services, so if you're not able to join us in person but want to follow along with that, you can do so at traderspointchurch.org, and we also try and link that to our Facebook page. So feel free to, to follow along with us there. So thank you again for your time this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.